Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. This should be played at high volume. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWVG1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. It's a very special Out of Pocket TGI Friday lineup because it is Good Friday, and it's a good Friday when you have Ryan Frick from Tap Outs and Touchdowns join us. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good on a good Friday. This is, uh, this is, this is, it's fun to be here and it's exciting with what we've got going on, uh, coming up very, very soon. So it's, it's a good Friday indeed. I I feel like we should break the news right now. If people haven't seen social media yet, are people tuning in on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel? Uh, you can read it on the bottom line that Ryan Fricks joined me to make a huge announcement. We'll talk about a little bit of the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk. Uh, we'll have Jason Shannon on later to talk about the national title game. Jason was in attendance. I have a guy coming into the show, Jay, uh, James Jackson. He is a sports photographer. He, for, he was at WrestleMania. So it's a big Good Friday episode today. But we have to start with breaking news because starting next week, Michael Davis, Ryan Frick, we're going to be hosting a Carolina Panthers podcast. We are starting. Would you like to tell them the name that you know was your brainchild, Ryan? Yeah, it was. There was some there was some brainstorming that went into it, but uh, we are going to be starting the Cat Cave, a Carolina Panthers podcast. Say that five times fast, everybody. The Cat Cave, uh, starting next week. Um, it's I'm excited to get get started with it, man. This is the first uh, the first endeavor away from tap outs and touchdowns that I've done. Um, and it's, it's oriented at, you know, one NFL team in the Carolina Panthers. So, um, I'm excited to get my feet wet back, uh, back covering and, and following the Panthers a little more religiously. So I'm super excited to start the cat cave with you, Michael. Now this, this Panther podcast is not just something, you know, we're throwing together and we're putting on the channel. You know, if you've been subscribed to the tobacco road sports radio YouTube channel for quite a while, you see the believe in Panthers podcast that Desmond Johnson produces with. Jonathan Stewart, the former Panthers running back, and Scott Jay Callahan. Stew. Jay Stew. We Jay love Jay Stew, Stew at yeah, Tobacco yeah. Road. Uh, but this is awesome because Desmond Johnson has been uh, recruited to produce the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Okay. You can go follow the social media Facebook, Twitter. I believe there will be an Instagram. Uh, and it's part of the Fan First Sports Network. So the Fan First Sports Network, the idea is to have all 32 NFL teams covered and Desmond Johnson is covering the Carolina Panthers. We'll have a lot of different content on there from the believe in Panthers podcast from the cat cave with yours truly Michael Davis and Ryan Frick every week. It'll be about 30 minute podcast and Ryan, this is an exciting time that this opportunity's come up because Carolina Panthers are actually 
starting to get people excited here in the Carolinas. Yeah, they're intriguing, man. Um, you're in North Carolina. I'm in South Carolina. We're we're the border states, if you will. Um, and so yeah, the Panthers. Uh, the, until Cam Newton was drafted years ago, and you know that sort of progressed into what they became um, under Cam Newton. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of excitement over the last few years. Kind of um, dwindling with quarterbacks, be it Sam Darnold, be it Matt Moore, um, be it uh, Teddy Bridgewater for a year. Um, so, you know, they've got the number one pick this year. It'll be interesting to see who they take at quarterback. They had a, they've had a tremendous offseason, both coaching staff uh, and, uh, and on-field talent. I mean, they've sort of retooled their entire offense, right? Um, they traded Christian McCaffrey in, at the uh, midway point of last season. Um, they went and signed Miles Sanders. I don't want to give too much away for uh, – we don't have anything to talk about on the show. Um, but, yeah, it's some exciting things to talk about, Carolina. Michael, I don't mean to stray away from our format here. But I ever t- have I ever told you about the, the time that I had better seats than the entire Panthers running back core at a Monday Night Raw here in Greenville? No, but I want you to do tell, especially since, you know, I'm wearing the Bloodline shirt. Yeah. I know you're a big Roman Reigns guy after this past week. You know, we're not we're not going to rehash that conversation, Michael. Thank you. Um, and no, and so- the conversation he's mentioning is the conversation we had this past week on the Drop the Mic Wrestling podcast where Ryan came on and he admitted three words I've never heard come out of his mouth. You're going to have to watch the YouTube video on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, but continue there's, with this story. Yeah, there's a lot more people that have never heard those three words come out of my mouth. Um, nevertheless, so um, I win Monday night. I win front row tickets to Monday Night Raw. I, uh, there's a radio station here in Greenville, um, and they did a contest uh, called The Walk of Sheamus. So uh, there's a main road here down in uh, down in Greenville called Woodruff Road. Um, it is the, the the busiest road in Greenville. And so I took one Thursday or Friday morning, um, went outside, painted my, painted my, my skin white, like I had white body paint, uh, bright red hair. And I stood out with a sign at the road that said cash for gold dust. I won front row tickets to Monday Night Raw. And believe it or not, that Monday, I got to go in studio and meet the Usos uh, back way before, back when they were still painting their faces and doing the war chants and stuff as they came out to the ring. So I actually got to meet the Usos long before they were part of the bloodline, which is a pretty interesting story. Um, but I, I get, I get to Monday night raw. My buddy, my, my buddy is sitting with me. And as the show starts, I look behind me and I say, Hey, that's D'Angelo Williams that just sat behind us. And then I look next to him and it's Jonathan Stewart. And I look next to him and I can't remember his name for, so forgive me. Um, we had a fullback. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Mike Tolbert. It was a it was a, a white dude. Uh, the name is eluding me right now. But I, I noticed all of a sudden that the entire running back core has come down from Charlotte to watch Monday Night Raw and sat in the row behind me. So for a three hour Raw, that was also I believe the Monday Night Raw that Daniel Bryan had to had to relinquish the the WWE World Heavyweight Championship uh, because of his neck injuries. Um, and I believe that was that was during that feud with evolution in the shield um but i digress uh it was um yeah it was a fun show and for three hours i had better seats than d'angelo williams jonathan stewart and company at monday night raw here in greenville it was a great time so i don't want to make any enemies especially with jonathan stewart who's on the believe in panthers podcast but just for one night only ryan frick was a priority over jonathan stewart that that has not been the case ever since then okay or ever I would, listen I, I got lucky, man. They they I got lucky. They they were given those seats. I just I just happened to be at the right place in the right time, and I, I'm not opposed to making a fool of myself on a main road down here in Greenville. Hey, 
you know, and you don't want to come in between Jonathan Stewart. Uh, he's going to be on the Believing Panthers podcast. Super excited for this Keep Pounding podcast network that Desmond Johnson, the producer of Tobacco Road Sports Radio, is putting together. And there's a lot of content. There's a lot of podcasts that's going to be on this channel. So please go follow on Facebook. Please go subscribe. It is going to be absolutely amazing. Super excited for what's coming uh, for Tobacco Road Sports Radio, for the Keep Pounding podcast network for myself, for Ryan, as we continue to dive in and just talk. We we love talking, and at the end of the day, this is a feed for the Panthers fan by the Panthers fan, Desmond Johnson being an ultimate Carolina Panthers guy and has us on. But we, we, we got to talk about some news that came out this past week about the Carolina Panthers color scheme. Uh, it's been making headlines in the Twitterverse that the Carolina Panthers are changing their blue. Because apparently Nike didn't have that shade of blue when they originally made the Panthers uniforms that they have now. So it's, it's kind of symbolizing a new Panthers organization, a new Panthers regime in my eyes. Ryan, I want to get your take. Do you like the new blue that they're introducing? Um, I haven't. I actually, I, I tried to look it up today. I haven't seen the color. But if it's anything like it, what it was originally supposed to be, then of course I like it. Like, you could tell it was a darker shade of blue. It was it was going towards that Detroit Lions shade of blue, right? Um, the Steve Smith jersey that I have is, is a much yeah. It's the original. It's the original blue. Like it's the original like tealer, um, almost not not quite Carolina blue, but it's like almost like a a Chanticleer from from Coastal Carolina blue. It's it's more of that teal color uh, because my blue Steve Smith jersey is more of that teal blue color. So. Um, I don't necessarily consider it like a new era. I consider it correcting a mistake. And that's kind of what they said, that it, the, the blue that we've been wearing wasn't quite the right blue. Now we're getting it corrected. We're not changing the uniforms. We're having the same the, the same uniform combinations, black on black, gray on blue, uh, you know, white on white, whatever the case is. Um, but the shade of blue is getting corrected. So I'm excited for it. Um, once again, to help let them stand out amongst the other teams and their color schemes. I mean, honestly, like, so I'm a, I'm a uniform snob. Like I love the different uniform combinations and I don't know why. Um, but like, I wish the the Rams would go back to the blue and gold. I hate that blue and yellow color scheme out in LA. So, um, so yeah. You're like I'm, the blue and gold they had in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that blue and gold, but it was, it was the year after they won the Super Bowl, And they're like, you know, we're going to go to gold color scheme because we're champions. I dig that. That black yellow is just awful. But yeah, to go back to the Panthers, like I'm 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 glad they're going back to their roots. Like that was the original blue that they used. And they're trying to go back closer to that original blue. So um hats off for getting it corrected and getting Nike to add that to their their, their color wheel. Um at least it could be worse. They could go to some like gaudy orange like the University of Clemson or or I say university, Clemson University or the University of Tennessee. Um, because as they said in the blind side, that gaudy orange does not belong in my color wheel and um and i'm, I'm happy that, that carolina staying with it, the carolina blue and I'll, I'll know if it's like getting back to their roots because this does this just whole off season feels like a new regime very aggressive and i've compared it to the eagles general manager howie roseman how aggressive he's been off seasons making trades if the trade doesn't work they trade that player away making big splash signings and it's worked out for them they were in the super bowl this past year and perhaps the greatest super bowl in history against the chiefs falling short by three point 
Okay, that was the best Super Bowl in history. You have to admit that. Absolutely not. Absolutely what? not. Uh, you obviously are are forgetting about just a few short years ago. Uh, the Falcons were up twenty eight to three and lost. Um, the great game between the Ravens and the 49ers that the power went out in the Superdome, oh uh, which allowed the, the Ravens to make a comeback. Um, the Panthers, the Panthers Patriots was a great Super Bowl. Um, it was, it was a fun Super Bowl. It was an offensively powered Super Bowl. Um, but best Super Bowl in history, like starting to sound like a Gen Zer, bud. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are you kidding? That that whole game was back and forth, back and forth, and it was no fantastic. Team really lost, no, really, no team really lost the Super Bowl. The Chiefs just won it. Uh, uh Eagles sort of sputtered out towards the end, dude. Like, like I said, it was a great. I'm not taking away. I enjoyed every second of this year's Super Bowl. But calling it like maybe that, maybe we can do that. Even though we're doing a Panthers podcast, maybe we can actually like count down the top like ten Super Bowls in history, so that you can see like where I'm coming from as far as like why, like while this game is great, calling it the greatest Super Bowl of all time is possibly a stretch. It's not a stretch, but one of the stretches I've heard is Anthony Richardson might be the pick at number one. I've heard, I've heard tweets about Frank Wright pounding the table for Anthony Richardson at one. I don't think they trade up for him. Uh, we got a couple more minutes before we get into a break, Ryan. And obviously, we'll have to talk about this more next week on the debut of the Cat Cave podcast. Uh, Carolina Panthers podcast, if you will, on the Keep Pounding podcast network. Who, who, do, who do you think leads the charge in this new Frank Wright regime? Is it Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson? Throw in Will Levis, I guess. No, I, I, it's going to be Bryce Young. Um, uh, Chris Mortensen reported on Thursday that um, it's, it always has been Bryce Young. I mean, they've interviewed a bunch of different – they've interviewed all the quarterbacks, right? They brought in C.J. Stroud. They've brought in Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is a great athlete. If you look at the tape, which is what Frank Wright is is all about, is, is studying game film to, to evaluate talent, Richardson's not the guy. When he's under pressure, he's throwing the ball in the dirt. He's overthrowing receivers. He's throwing scared. Um, and if they wanted to get Anthony Richardson, they didn't need to trade up to one to get him. They could trade back down to three or four and still get Richardson, not pay him as much, get some of their draft capital that they traded away for it back, um, and still get Richardson. So um, for whatever reason, like I, I don't know why Straub wouldn't be leading leading the field outside of the fact that that Bryce Young's a proven winner. He's won a, he's he's won a national championship. He's won a Heisman Trophy, um, and the knock is that he's 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 a, a tiny dude. And you know that being said, I think if I'm 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 more comfortable with the Panthers taking Bryce Young than Anthony Richardson because if they can hopefully uh, build an offensive line that can protect him and avoid him getting hit as much as as he might do um, at his size, um, it's 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 going to bode best for him. The more he gets hit, if he winds up like David Carr out here in Carolina, he's going to have a very short career. If he can be protected. Um, I'm trying to think of, of, of some of the better offensive lines in the NFL in, in, in recent years. Dallas um, Cowboys. Yeah. If you had an offensive line like the Cowboys, maybe even the Patriots with um with, with Tom Brady years ago. Um, if they can find if they can get an offensive line that can protect Bryce Young, uh Bryce Young could have Bryce Young could have a very long, successful career. And um 
and and he could be the number one pick that they think he's going to be. So I, I by all, all for all intents and purposes, I think it's Bryce Young until something happens and it's not. Um, and Bryce Young will be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in 2023. But the Panthers need an offensive line and they need a receiving core. They've rebuilt the receiving core. I'm sure we'll get to talk about that in the lean weeks up to the draft on the Cat Cave Carolina Panther podcast. Ryan, you and I are going to start that next week on the Keep Pound Podcast Network, courtesy of Fan First Sports Network. But we got to get into a break on this Good Friday edition of Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and WWBG 1470 AM. When we come back, we are going to have Shannon Smith rejoin us talking some college basketball. We're going to have Jason Tech. Jason, a San Diego State alum, went to the Final Four and ultimately watched his team fail in the national title game against UConn. He's going to give us his experience at the Final Four next after the break. And remember, go go follow our Cat Cave. Go follow my man Tapouts and Touchdowns on Facebook, YouTube. He gives all the good stuff on wrestling and football. And we will see you right after the break. Back to Al Paco and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of TGI Friday lineup. On this very special edition of Good Friday, we just got done talking with Ryan Frick in the opening segment with the breaking news that we are starting a new podcast that will debut next week. Uh, it's the Cat Cave, starring on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, courtesy of Fan First Sports Network, producer Desmond Johnson, who Produces Tobacco Road Sports Radio is going to be uh, producing the entire network, and he's given Ryan and myself a slot. The Cat Cave will be about a 30-minute podcast each week, so be tuned. Stay tuned for that. That's going to be exciting. Uh, follow on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, anything you can do to keep your eyes on that. But we are joined by uh, Shannon Smith. Shannon's usually been on our wrestling segment. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Ready to talk about a little bit of basketball. We're talking some hoops. We're talking some college hoops. And what better way to invite another usual wrestling personality in for a basketball segment? This is weird. We got a wrestling roundtable for college basketball. But Jason Tech was a San Diego State alum and a final is a San Diego State alum. Well, <laughs> my my bad, my bad. Hey, I'm I'm trying to be gentle to you this week, okay? Uh, you were actually at the Final Four, were you not? I was, yeah. So I uh, I got to fly out, flew out late on uh, Friday, uh, so that I could be there in person at the game in Houston on Saturday. Nice. And that was the game that San Diego State won. Yes, it's uh, it's actually really good that um, we did this, you know, so late in the week. Um, I had a voice, and then until one very particular, specific moment in that game. Uh, I no longer had it, and I I didn't really regain my voice. That was Saturday evening. I I got most of it back yesterday. It's pretty much back today, but um, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I had to basically scream just to whisper. And Shannon and I were talking a little bit backstage before he got on about wanting to hear what your experience was because I've never been to a Final Four, 
never even been to a tournament game. What's that atmosphere like, especially when you're having an opportunity to go to the national championship game? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was awesome. I mean, like the, it would have been awesome as just a fan of basketball. Like if you love college hoops, going to a final four, if it's, you know, in a NFL dome near you is definitely something you should try to check off. Like, because it, it basically feels like a celebration of basketball of just like whatever college basketball is. The final four is the most of that. Like it, it's awesome. Um, we sort of like, this was a really unique experience. Like, like FAU and Miami had never been as well, but especially like, like Miami is in the ACC. Like it's not unusual to see an ACC and a big East team in the final four, but like, uh, and that was sort of the nice thing about the matchup with like SDSU and like Florida Atlantic was like, when we walked up to that stadium, we all just sort of like stared at the sign for like 30 seconds of like, why is our logo on there? Like, why is it like, why is a conference USA in a mountain West tournament? Like, why are we, why are we here? Like what happened? So, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was awesome. And, and now Houston, not maybe not the most pleasant city to actually like visit, but as far as like, uh, the stadium, like NRG park right next to Astrodome, uh, you know, where the Texans play was, was a really phenomenal stadium. They made it super easy to get in. Like, so you didn't get like bottlenecked at security. Uh, and once you were in plenty of food, plenty of restrooms, I mean, just an awesome environment to walk around on the concourse. And for, for San Diego state, I hadn't seen a lot of my friends who I went to school with. And, and I was a season ticket holder for basketball for, uh, I mean, I guess if, if you count the time I was a student there, basically for like six and a half, seven years of, of those seasons, I, I rarely missed a home game. So, um, it's, and that was basically between like 06 and like 2011. So, um, early 2012. So it, it really felt like a family reunion for a lot of us. So it was like, not only were you excited, it was like, you're excited to see a whole bunch of people you hadn't seen in like 10 years as well. And, um, you know, we can, we can get into the game if you want. I know that's sort of been, that horse has sort of been like beaten to death this far late, but like there's not an Aztec fan alive who will say, you know, like Florida Atlantic was not a fluke. They're a very good team and they outplayed San Diego state for 30, maybe 32 minutes of that game. And then a switch was very much flipped where all of a sudden SDSU started getting loose balls, started getting a ton of rebounds, really shut down that three point shooting that, that plagued, um, that, that was just a, a thorn in the side in, in that first half from, from FAU to the Aztecs. And like, ultimately, like you're just sort of like, Oh no, this is going to come down to the last possession. Like you could just feel it. And, um, you know, being down 14 with like 13 to go, you, you start to like make peace with yourself of like, this is still cool. Like we still made it this far. No one thought, you know, the Aztecs were going to beat Alabama. Like all, like all the things you're like, this is cool either way. We can still be happy. And then like you, like they start clawing it back and, and, you know, they tie it and it comes down to that steal in that last possession. And I mean, all of a sudden six seconds left, they're dribbling down and, uh, Lamont Butler takes that shot. And I just remember, I remember the shot going in and then I have no memory of what I said or physically did for 30 seconds after that shot. We were just screaming and, and jumping and, and hugging. And, and, you know, the schools are all segregated into like your different schools in the corners. So, like everyone around you is an Aztec fan. Like it, 
I've never heard a sound that loud in like in my life. It sounded like a like a rocket going off. And I mean, I I actually had to after things sort of settled down, like one of the first things I said was like who took the shot? Like, I don't even know who took it for like a full 10 minutes. I was like, I saw it go in. I saw somebody dribble. I was so focused on like the shot clock and like how much time was left in it going in that like, I was like, I don't even like, Oh, Lamont Butler took it. That rules. Cause he totally deserved this. And, um, I had to text a buddy of mine who was going to take my seat for Sunday's game. I was like, Hey, like, sorry about your seat. Cause, uh, I broke it. Like I was fully jumping on the seat and, and felt it sort of like, you know, breakdown. So, I mean, all in all, I mean, just the, the best, I mean, it was, it was just the culmination of everything. Cool. was like a going to the final four, B going to see your team in the final four and then C like coming away with just a, like the first ever buzzer beater in the final four from a team that was trailing. Yeah. Like, which is a sort of like very ridiculous stat to actually say out loud, but like, um, just just couldn't have asked for better and and credit to FAU fans like they showed up in force as well um there were a ton of them there they were all just like genuinely stoked to be there and and I hope that they continue to be a team to be reckoned with i mean they're bringing all five of their guys back pretty much so um they're they're a team that's poised to do this again and and that's why i want like hammer home right here and we'll get shan in here because these final four teams were not expected by anybody. We got four seed UConn, five seed Miami, five seed San Diego State, and nine seed Florida Atlantic in there. You don't have your Dukes. You don't have your Carolinas. You don't have your Kentuckys, your Kansas, your Gonzaga. Shannon, is there a particular reason why these schools were in the Final Four rather than your traditional powerhouses? I'll go ahead and uh, explain to you why that happened. They slept on those squads. All of them slept on those squads. The main time that you have to turn up your best ball is during tournament time. I don't care if you have a one seed. You know this from being the Duke fan, Mike. You know this from being the Duke fan. I know this from being the Carolina fan. On the times that you're a one seed, two seed, doesn't matter. When Virginia was a one seed a few years back and lost to a 16 squad, the basketball world was shocked that that happened because it's never been done. It happened again this year. Once again, the balance of power in college basketball, I don't know if it's the transfer portal. I, I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of these kids are starting to realize that the balance of power is not with these power five schools anymore. A lot of these guys are starting oh, yeah. to realize I can go make my name. somewhere. I can go play for a coach that actually believes in me instead of sitting being the eighth or ninth guy on a powerhouse squad and getting a ring by default. I can go somewhere else and get coached up, get a chance to get looked at, get a chance to play on a grand stage and actually be looked at. And I, I think that's wonderful. It, it's incredible because, you know, for a while, it's hard to be in those power teams. We haven't really seen a Final Four like this except for, uh, I think, from that year that George Mason became the Cinderella at that time. And that was in and, 08, if I remember. And Lauren Yeager was there, too. No. I mean, it. I oh, think yeah. it was. Definitely. I mean, yes. it's the same, same coach. Yeah, that, that was probably the story, but George Mason. 
because George Mason beat uh, Carolina, and that got me right there when they when they took Carolina out though, because that squad was a squad and a half. So yes. And Jason, your team was really like on the backs of like upperclassmen like Matt Bradley, Lamont Butler, Kashawn oh, yeah. Johnson. This this is this is a team defined by the COVID year. Uh it very, very much so. And and even as far as like Aztec basketball goes, I think I think what was so surprising about this year was that if you had asked Aztec fans to rank their top five like hoops lineups, this team is number five. And that's not an insult to them, but it's just like um, I think it goes to show like, like, you know, the 2011 year where, um, the Kawhi Leonard squad again, lost to Yukon in the sweet 16, um, you know, w- was better. There were probably a couple others. I mean, again, there was the 2020 year that wasn't where San Diego state along with, you know, Dayton, Michigan state was really good that year. Uh, and Kansas, I mean, San Diego, I mean, Dayton, Michigan State, Kansas, and SDSU could have been your one seeds for that for that 2020 tournament. I mean, that was another year just poised for chaos, and uh, instead we got a chaos that nobody wanted. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like this year, uh, you know, there was no runaway team in the regular season. So the tournament was like the fact that the tournament ended up like this was kind of awesome because it went exactly how the regular season went. Like no number one was safe, and, and sort of like Shannon said, like, once you're out of that first round, seeding does not matter. Like, um, and so, nope. you know, I'm not surprised that you know Princeton kept winning. I'm not surprised that these other schools showed up because I mean, once once you're out of that first round, I think anybody beats anybody, and um, that's why to me, you know, the the Final Four win is by far the most exciting. I think the most important win for the Aztecs this year was the Alabama game. Because that's, you know, you're beating a number one seed, you're beating a heavily touted coach and making him look like an absolute moron, which is always satisfying. Uh, And it's Alabama losing. And so you've got this like awesome monkey off your back of saying like, no, this team can go deeper than the Sweet 16. This isn't a this isn't a third round team and, and just happened to go even further. So, I mean. As an Aztec fan, like losing to what was clearly the best team in this tournament, like UConn was underranked as a four. Clearly, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Do I wish we'd won a hundred thousand times? But you know, even if you look at if you look at the five minute mark in the second half for all of their tournament games, San Diego State had it down to five points, which is by far the closest of any other team at that same five minute mark. So. You know, there's there's a lot to be proud of in that loss. UConn, I don't know that there's any other team in the tournament that UConn wasn't going to do that to. I mean, they were they were a wagon, and that's really the only way to to think of it. I just I just hate that it was a Big East team that won the national championship. And against you, like it, we were talking about this, it stinks when you get to that point and you lose in the final game. And Shannon, when you look at this UConn team, do you think they have a chance to repeat, or do you think? One of these powerhouses are like, hey, this is the recipe now. What do we need to do to succeed? It's a little early to look at, but as far as repeat, it's going to be very, very tough because one thing that, of course, what did it for UConn is the fact that they defended perfectly. They were a defensive squad. A lot of times you sleep on defensive squads, and this squad played tremendous defense. They were they were very very pertinent on the defensive glass, which was another thing because you control those rebounds, you control that ball. 
is very important. It's a little early to say, but they have a good chance. I, I don't see their chances diminishing. It depends on, uh, of course, this recruitment pool and who's leaving, who's doing what. But I can say you know, they have a great chance of doing it, I believe. Yeah, and and time will tell. Of course, it's way too early. Whenever you like end a season, you're like, okay, who's willing to repeat? And last year it was UNC who was the favorite. You know, no, no, no hard feelings there, Shannon. Uh, I know you're a UNC that's fan, but no, that's really because again, that that's where the that's where it came. That's why you say it's way too early because they they uh, they told my boys, you know, they they put their heads, they made their heads big. And, you know, it's it's tough seeing it, the fall from grace that far down. And it, it was early, you know, that they were giving them their kudos already. So, yeah. And at least you guys returned Baycott. But we'll have to see how all this pans out for our teams, UNC, Duke, and San Diego State. And of all those teams, San Diego State was in the national title game. But we got a guy here. Uh, Jason shared his experience at the Final Four. Well, James Jackson, a first-time guest, is going to share his experience at WrestleMania this past weekend. Going to talk about Cody losing to Roman Reigns, what that impact was. Wrote an article about the WWE sale on Sports Carolina Monthly. If you haven't checked that out, we're going to talk a little bit about the sale, I'm sure, uh, because that is a hot press topic in the world of wrestling. A lot of stuff gr- going on. Thank you so much, Shannon and Jason. Uh, my usual wrestling guys, you can catch them on usual drop the mic wrestling podcast or our out pocket wrestling segments. But right. We'll be right back on out pocket with Michael Davis on this special good Friday episode with James Jackson and a little WrestleMania. Welcome back to Al Paco and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM as part of TGI Friday lineup. Thank you so much for Jason and Shannon and Ryan joining us earlier in the show. But now we have a special treat because Jason was at the Final Four. He gave us his thoughts on you know San Diego State, even though they fell short in the Nay Tile game. But we have somebody who was actually at WrestleMania last week. He is a sports photographer, and he's also technically a former wrestling personality. Uh, did a few independent wrestling shows as an announcer. Uh, he's a mutual friend of mine, James Jackson. James, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, man. I'm still reeling off the Mania weekend, and uh, I'm still amped up. A little messed up with the time changes, but I'm still amped up. Yeah, because you live in North Carolina. How, how was the jet lag coming back? Oh, it was awful because I had to work the next day and it was, I'm still messed up because um, we, we drove, my brother and I drove from LA to Vegas because um, that's where he lives. And then we, I flew from Vegas back to North Carolina. So I'm exhausted, but I'm making it work. <laughs> Man. And how many days were you there? Like you attended a few events, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We went to SmackDown in the hall of fame that night. Um, and then we did the two Mania nights. We thankfully didn't do Raw after Mania. Um, we drove back to Vegas that day, and I left on Tuesday. So I was there almost a week. Man, and, and you mentioned thankfully not going to Raw yeah. after Mania. I remember messaging you, and you were like, 
hey, we'll probably, you know, fly back Monday and get back whatever. And I'm like, you're not staying for Raw after Mania? That's like one of the best Raws of the year. And like hindsight 2020, you probably made the right decision. I won that decision. <laughs> um, so what, what is it like? Because I've never been to WrestleMania. Some of our viewers have never been to WrestleMania. What is that experience like taking it in in a stadium rather than watching from your television? Oh man, it's a whole nother experience. It's it's something I've never experienced in my life. And I go to a lot of sporting events. You know, I shoot hurricanes games. Um, I, I I live the best life in terms of sporting events. But like, so so arenas full of people is nothing new. But you walk into SoFi Stadium, which mind you hosted the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and it's sold out. There's people on the floors that are making it sold out even more. It was the largest attendance record in SoFi history. So you walk in there, and the lore of WrestleMania is cool itself. And then you sit there, and you see thousands of people there. It, it was something I've never experienced. The, the chants were extremely loud. It was a little weird because I was, like, in the nosebleeds a little bit. So, like, when the chants would come from the floor to the, the, the rafters, it would be a little delayed. So it felt a little weird, but it was so cool at the same time. Um, there was little things that felt odd. Like they had the Jumbotron there at the top um, that would play the match on the Jumbotron so you could see a little bit. But at the same time, they were cut away from it when they do wide shots so you couldn't see anything. Um and the ad placement was weird too. I didn't wasn't a big fan of like the ads they were doing, like the cinnamon toast crunch stuff. Um, the cage match got a bad reaction when they put the Pope's Exorcist on the instead of playing the match like we thought Edge was going to come out. They started playing an ad for the Pope's Exorcist, and we started vulgarly chanting about the Pope's ex Exorcist. Um, there, there are some experiences like that, but it overall it was a great show. Very expensive, but I think that's just an LA thing. Um, it cost me like 50 bucks to eat dinner at the arena every night. So I wasn't too thrilled about that, but it was a great show. Definitely the matches on night one really stole the show. So I'll give it that. Do you think night one or night two was better? Oh God, the matches I, okay. I told my brother, I slept on night one. I was like, this is okay card. It's not the card I'm looking most forward to. Um, but then night two came and I was like, this, these are the cards I want. This is the matches I want. And they did not deliver at all. So, um, I really wanted the cage match that, that was a decent match. It was pretty solid. Um, and I really wanted, you know, Cody to go over in the final and the, the main wasn't bad. It was a great match. It was just a disappointing result, but night one, you know, Rhea stole the show with Charlotte, um, and then the Usos followed that up perfectly as well. So I, I think night one definitely had a better, better result for outcomes. Yeah. And, and let's talk about that night two outcome because everybody's asking, everybody's ranting. I can't scroll social media for 20 seconds without seeing somebody complaining about Cody Rhodes, not going over. You kind of alluded to where you stand. Was it the right decision for Roman Reigns to go over this weekend? You know, there's been I, – I, I went into Mania. You know, I wanted Cody to win as a fan. I was like, this is going to be great. Cody's going to go over. Everybody's going to love it. But at the same time, there's still a story to tell with the bloodline. 
So I was like, this isn't quite over just yet. So I, I was okay if Roman won. It's not the result I wanted, but it wasn't like I'm going to riot if Roman wins, you know. Um, but the stories that I can still see it tell was like, you know, you've still got the bloodline need to crumble. I mean, they haven't crumbled yet. They're they're working their way to it. Um, but they've still got a large story to tell, and Cody still has a story to tell. I mean, he's going to come – from what I understand, he's going to go rags to riches again. He's going to have his own hard time story. Um, and he, he's going to work his way back up there. Hopefully, you know, with Vince being back in charge, that could change. But, you know, the I wasn't too frustrated with the outcome, but it, it just wasn't what I wanted as a fan perspective. What I thought the building would have rough when he were one. And then Solo came and cost him the match and everybody lost their minds. So the, uh, it didn't bother me too much, but I, I still wish he went over for sure. Now, and that's a big thing because everybody's like, that was the right moment. That was the lightning in the bottle. But this kind of reminds me, and correct me if I'm off base here, it reminds me of John Cena losing to The Rock that first night of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 28, I believe. And then... The next night, he gets attacked by Brock Lesnar. It's kind of setting up the same way. And then the following year at WrestleMania, Cena overcomes The Rock and becomes WWE Champion. It's reminding me of that aspect. I, I I agree with you on that. It's looking to paint out that way. I mean, they had the same mannerisms. Cena was sitting on the ramp in shock. Cody was sitting in the ring in shock. Um, somebody threw a chicken at him, I think, on Raw. But that wasn't here nor there. Um I, I don't know. I I don't like WWE recycling storylines. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Vince is going to do his thing now. I guess that he's in charge. So it's really kind of – I don't know. I don't hate the story. I, I like Cody to build up that character more. My only concern is I don't want his momentum to get burnt out. He's still got a whole year he's got to do this now. So – I mean, it's not like Daniel Bryan where everybody was like behind him because WWE didn't want him to be the guy. It's like WWE wants Cody to be the guy. It's just you've got to build it up. Um, I don't I don't know. I'm not too big a fan on it. Like I said, if he went over, I think it would have been a huge pop. But it is definitely looking like the Cena rock storyline again. It's a bump in the roads, if you will. Yeah, if, if definitely you're a bump in the roads. It's it's his hard times, but I, I agree with you. It is definitely a bump in the roads. Uh, you don't know hard times, right? Um, <laughs> but you you alluded to it. Uh, it's it's going to be very interesting because the bloodline. I'm wearing a bloodline shirt, kind of representing Rikishi. Actually, sold me this shirt at a wrestling convention last last summer. It's, it's a pretty cool interaction with the uh, too cool guy. But the bloodline's a great story right now. We're hoping that WWE programming stays consistent of what it's been the last eight months, but doesn't look like that's happening because WrestleMania weekend, honestly, in my opinion, one of the best WrestleManias I have seen in my lifetime. I don't want to put it up there yet with 21 just because I have such fond memories of that being my first WrestleMania that I got to watch, but 39 is really, really up there. And then Monday morning, you wake up in a nightmare. And it's not an American nightmare. It's Vince McMahon has sold WWE to Endeavor and still somehow maintains and gets a hold of creative control in that sale. It is a fan's worst 
nightmare. James, what was your initial reaction to the sale that WWE was acquired by Endeavor? I, you know, when the sale happened, I was like, okay, well, this is, and we knew it was coming. Like we knew there was a sale coming. We didn't know who it was going to be, but we knew it was coming. Um, and then they announced it was Endeavor, and I was like, okay, well, now we've got UFC and WWE doing their thing together now, I guess. And I wasn't too mad at it. You know, I thought, okay, maybe we can do something here. But what frustrated me the most was the Raw after um, and all the possibilities you could have had on that show. And it's supposed to be the biggest Raw of the year, and it was the worst Raw of all time. Um it, it was disappointing. I mean, you had Triple H come out, got the crowd hype for the things to come. And he said, we're not going anywhere. And then you're going to put on the worst show we've ever seen. Um, it, it was disappointing. Um, and I don't know if it was the sale thing. I don't know how Vince came back into power. But from what I'm hearing, he rewrote almost the entire show. We had like, what, 35 minutes of actual wrestling on the first night or on raw at all it was like awful and then an hour of like no commercials and it was just promos the entire time um it was awful and i think there was a skit where cody was calling somebody in the back and i guess somebody had told me it was supposed to be zach Ryder. um and yeah i had heard it was supposed to be zach Ryder. now i don't know if that's true or not i mean that was just the dirt sheets but somebody who's he was calling somebody and saying i need help um and you're the only one who can help me or something like that. I don't know. And it, it led to Zack Ryder speculation. Um, but then Brock came out. And I, I mean, that was a confusing pop. I was like, okay, I was expecting Brock to be on Raw. Or Brock to be on Raw. Um, it was it was a weird situation. But then he, the whole show was awful. He had one return and no call-ups. And, and it was awful. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping Jay White was going to come out. But obviously that happened on AEW on Wednesday. But um I don't know. I was disappointed with the whole thing. So I'm glad I didn't get tickets to that because uh, I would have been very frustrated. And it's going to be frustrating for WWE fans because, you know, looking back at Raw, okay, Triple H comes out, gets the crowd high. You don't know what's going to happen next because WWE sold. We never imagined those words would be said as we were growing up on it after they won the Monday Night War. Cody comes out and gets a tag team partner. You're expecting a Zack Ryder or Jay White or even just like Braun Breaker. He just lost his NXT title this week. Something could happen. And then Brock Lesnar shows up. I'm kind of excited. Brock Lesnar competing in a tag match. First time in 20 years. Competing on Raw the first time in 20 years. And then that hour free commercials. You said it. There was a three-minute squash match for Omos. And that was it. Yeah. And, yeah. and at that point, you're like, okay. You know, Seth Rollins' promo gets cut. He just listens to his fans singing and that's it. I mean, it was it was it was awful. Like James, I don't know how SmackDown's going to look tonight on Fox, but according to reports, it looks like Vince is back in control, and this doesn't look good for anyone involved. No, it does not, and I hate it for the guys who he released the trips right back. And I hate it for those guys too. Um, I hate it for everybody, really. I mean. First of all, this guy isn't a good a good person at all. I mean, there's a reason he had to leave, you know. Um, and then you're gonna have him come back. It, it looks so shady of the company 
that you wait, you you leave the company, and then you wait until it's sold. And the day it's sold, you suddenly come back into power. It looks like you put on a facade for everybody, and you aren't actually sorry for what you did. You know, um, it, it's embarrassing. And frankly, I I don't agree with it, and I don't know if I'm going to keep watching now. Um, AEW always puts on a good show to me. I love their content. I'm not just a mark. I love actually good wrestling. Um, but it's things like good wrestling that Trips was doing that got me back into it. I mean, hell, he put the um, the tag titles in the main event of a WrestleMania match. That's never happened. I mean, we've had tag ta- – the last time there was a tag team match in the main event was WrestleMania 1. And this was the first time we've ever had tag titles on the line in the main event. And they, they them and Rhea stole the show. It matches that I didn't think would ever steal the show, and they did. And you know, that was under trips. And we had an incredible triple threat IC title match that was under trips. Um, things that you didn't see under Vince. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, what are we going to do now? So it, it's up in the air for SmackDown tonight, that's for sure. And it's really frustrating because I've been getting my friends into wrestling. And now that they have it, they didn't experience events wwe and now they might have to and it's really unfortunate we also have to get out of here to continue our easter weekend because it's good friday everyone it's out of pocket with michael davis we had a great time talking with james hopefully wwe gets better had a good time talking with ryan about our big panther announcement you're going to have to catch that debut of the podcast next week i believe it'll drop on tuesday so stay tuned for that and also wrote an article on Sports Carolina Monthly about the wrestling and the WWE sale, talking a little bit of AEW and how they're making some big moves because of the momentum that WWE has now given them with Vince McMahon back in power. But thank you, guys. Thank you, James. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Shannon, for an awesome show. Everyone have a happy Easter weekend. And follow Out Pocket on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio, for more content with Al Pocket, the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast, for more wrestling content. And we will see you guys next week.